Amen. It's been a good morning to worship. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, big choir out there for participating. It's a great day to come to worship. A lot to be thankful for, and that's what our series, if you call it like a mini-series to start with, is be thankful. And the message today is entitled Growing in Gratitude in Colossians 3. Just a couple things before I get into my message today. Next week, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together, and you're going to wonder how we're doing that, but we have a way that the deacons and I are going to talk about. We're actually going to rehearse it after the service today of coming out to you. Uh, usually, we hand it to somebody, and it's passed down, but we're actually going to come to these empty rows that divide us, and we're going to come out and, and serve you face-to-face uh, -face right in front of you. So just we'll have some instructions uh, next week on how that's going to be. It's to keep you safe, of course, and to reduce all the contact that we have to observe. But we still want to do it in such a way that it doesn't uh, negate the servant aspect of what the Scriptures are trying to teach. The way Jesus served his disciples, the, I think that we as uh, pastors and deacons in Baptist life have a great picture of a way to celebrate communion. And so you're going to have that uh, next week. So pray for us as we get that together. Also, this week is uh, Veterans Day on, on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to our men and women who have served. And if you're with us today and, and you can stand where you are in place as we recognize you, please do so this morning, our men and women who are veterans. Uh, please go ahead. There's several of you out here. <laughs> Amen. Thank you again for your service. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, there's a lot of folks that are serving right now. Uh, remember them as well who are on active duty. The message uh, this week kind of almost continues as I got into it and started to look. The next couple of messages really is kind of an extension of the church uh, as the church responds to the mental health series. It uh, really has impressed me. And boy, I've got to, anytime a preacher preaches, the message stomps on his toes first. Amen? I, I think that's what God's trying to do is to say, hey, um, you know, where are you? And I have to bring myself in line with God's word just like you do. And gratitude will change our lives. It just does. It will change our lives in so many ways, but we have to practice it. And we have to grow in gratitude. It's not something where we can say we have arrived and it's amazing when we have to go to studies like Harvard or read about it in Forbes magazine when it comes to gratitude and thankfulness. God's Word has it already figured out, but it's amazing how the secular sources just kind of come back and gravitate in where we already know that. But again, we got to practice it too, don't we? Well, just to look at a couple things, we know there are a lot of benefits to gratitude. Um, just so many ways that we can say that when we are grateful, we are more relaxed and we are happier, uh, that we have uh, less materialism in our life because we're satisfied with what, what we have or what we don't have even. Uh, 
Uh, we're more optimistic. And that's kind of a hard one right now with election season and COVID-19. We've got to be optimistic because no matter who's in office or what's going on in the world, we have a Lord who's already won the victory. And we need to be grateful for that. They show that uh, some studies, I don't know how they've done this, but they've already done some studies that say people that practice uh, gratitude and thankfulness, they live about seven years longer than most people out there that don't. Uh, in the workplace, there's improved decision-making. Uh, you're more productive employee if you're a grateful person. Uh, just socially, you're going to have more friends, okay? You're going to have more friends if you're grateful because you know the other friends that we have out there that are always talking about what they don't have or what they didn't like they heard on the news today. They're just ramp, ramp, ramp. But if they're gra gracious and thankful and appreciate the things God's done for them, they are going to have more friends. It's just natural that we're going to have better relationships when we are thankful. And it pours over to every aspect of our life. And I mentioned earlier, even because of COVID, we find a way to be thankful. God has done so much for us. And a lot of times we throw out that phrase, God's looking out for me. That's really a sign that God's looking out for me. Of course he is. In the past three weeks, Sally and I have had both falls from different things. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And you know what I mean? We're out jogging. We go about three or four times a week, and we go out and go run. And we're always looking for those sidewalks that one of them is just higher than the other one, right, that catches your foot. Well, we found one. Sally found it, and it really hurt her knee, and we were concerned. And we were looking for a few days to see how it was going to be when we would go run, and she worked through it. And she said, well, really, it's obviously the Lord was looking out for me yesterday. Big-footed me, size 13, is coming out of my barn backwards, and I have some equipment that's outside, a mower and some things. I was trying to dig to something in the back, and I backed out with a wheelbarrow, and was uh, there's nothing underfoot, I promise. It was just my big feet. And I backed down, and I tripped, and I went backwards and then crashed on top of all this equipment that was behind me. And you know how you just lay there for a minute after you fall? It's kind of like when you start your car on a cold day and you have to watch all the lights come on, diagnosing the system. I was diagnosing my system, <laughs> rebooting on the ground. And then finally I said, no, you're not hurt that bad. Get up. But again, it's one of those cases where you say, God's looking out for me. But had Sally busted her knee to have to have torn meniscus or surgery or anything like that, is God still looking out for her? If I'm laying there and I'm still laying there this morning because she didn't come look for me, is God still on his throne and wants to give his best for me? Absolutely. He loves us. There's so much we can be thankful for if we just look for it. So let's look at our passage today in Colossians 3 beginning in verse 15 and we'll, we'll go through it together. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, I just thank you for your word, and I pray that we would learn to be thankful today, and it's in your name we pray, amen. First thing that Paul is trying to teach the church at Colossae, where there's all these philosophies going on that, that try to say that, no, nah, it's not about Jesus, so you need to adopt these world philosophies, or it's about how you, how you feel, or, or if you just feels good, go ahead and do that, and they're trying to displace Jesus, and Jesus says no, God says no, uh, through Paul, that we have to give peace first place, and that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the passage says the peace of Christ, and let that rule in your heart. And that has to have first place. When you say it is the ruler of your heart, it is the first place. But many of us at times get into the mindset of other things will need to take first place, take precedence over Jesus. And I don't understand why that it's that way, but we do that. Sometimes we say it's our career. Sometimes we'll plug our families out there. We'll, we'll say my recreation, my pursuit of uh, money and a career is, is going to be what needs to take place over Jesus but it can't be that way we can't do any substitution for the peace that can only come through Jesus Christ just like that old saying accept no substitute it's got to be Jesus he has to have first place in our hearts and he needs to have control and we have to be careful for what we allow to have rule in our hearts but it needs to be Jesus as I look at this passage in, in verse 15 it says to which indeed you were called in one body and I have to make up in my mind individually that Jesus has first place in my hearts, but then we collectively have to do so as we come together in one body because we're called together as a church. And remember, Paul is speaking to a church here that has a lot of messages that are threatening it. And he says, y'all need to settle in your own minds that Jesus takes first place in your life. If you're going to do anything for Christ in the Colossian world, Paul says, you have to be of one mind to put Jesus first on the throne of your life. And here at Woodland Heights, if we're going to make any difference in our community, no matter what's going on in our world, we have to place Jesus first individually in our hearts and as a congregation. And we need to be able to allow him to have rule and reign in our lives. One of the passages uh, in another translation says, let the peace of Christ have the run of the house in your life. Now think about the run of the house, that, that we can allow Jesus just to go crazy in our lives, just let him have complete rule over every aspect of our lives. It's like getting a dog for the first time and letting that dog progressively get to have run of the house. Some of you probably have a dog to this day you've had for years, and that dog still does not have the run of the house because they're not well-behaved, right? We got a blue healer at one time, a rescue, and this dog was very active, loved the dog. But then we said, we're probably going to let the dog stay in a crate when we go to work or something like that for a while, see how the dog does. So we would uh, come home at the end of the day, let the dog out, and the dog would uh, love on us and everything, run around. Uh, but at night, that dog would get back in the crate and want to sleep in there, and so we latched the door, repeat the process. Well, over time, we are trusted the dog more and more to let the dog out and have the run 
of the house during the daytime while we were there, and the dog wanted to get up on the ottoman, like when we were watching TV, you have one of these big ottomans, and we said, you can get up here as long as we put this little throw down and you can hop up here with us. How nice of us, right? So she was there and would sleep and be very comfortable, uh, but night would want to go back to her crate and those kinds of things. Same way after a while, the dog would see us in the morning when we're having coffee, reading our Bible, in the bed, come over to the side of the bed and go, <laughs> want to come up? We said, mm, maybe not. And eventually we said, well, we'll put a, a sheet at the foot of the bed, and if you stay there, <laughs> that's all right. Of course, you see where this is going. Eventually, the dog would come in at 2, 3 in the morning. It'd be cold, or she'd be scared about something, which she really isn't. She just wanted to be with us. And we would say, okay, come on up. And she'd get right between you and lay down there. And now you know that that dog has a run of the house. <laughs> you know how you know your dog has a run of the house? When you open the freezer and you find a dog hair in there that matches your dog. That dog is everywhere. Now, that's a strange illustration, but do you allow Jesus to just permeate your life? Have you given him permission to have the, the rule and reign of your life? Are you letting him rule in every aspect of who you are and who you've been called to be? Does he have the run of the house in your life? Have you allowed him to do that? Now, let's talk about this some more. Paul is telling the church at Colossae, very simply, this last little phrase here at the end of verse 15, and be thankful. It sounds like Paul is just saying, well, just be thankful. But that's really simply the way it needs to be. We must be thankful. And as you go back, you say, what's all that predicated upon? And it's because we've allowed Jesus to, in his peace, to rule in our hearts and our lives, and we've done that as the church it's natural for us to say, yes, we should be a thankful people. We just need to do it. We have to consciously agree that I'm going to be thankful. And maybe during this season, we need to think about, well, here's a good time at Thanksgiving. And I know a lot of families have traditions. They go around the table and they say, little Susie, what are you thankful? Grandma. And, and we go all around and we, we talk about the things we are thankful for. Maybe you need to start a gratitude journal where you list some time uh, during the day or your week where you've experienced great thankfulness because of God's working in your life. And maybe you need to, at the end of the day, think of two or three things to tell your spouse or to call up your friend uh, or, again, in your journal to say, these are the things I'm thankful for. Because we live this Jesus life. And it is impossible for us to not be thankful for his working in our hearts. It is impossible for us if we have to say we are a thankful people. And especially if it's so important for us to be the church at Woodland Heights or the church anywhere in the world, we have to be a grateful people so that this world can see the Jesus we love. And we have to make up our minds though and say, I'm going to be thankful. In that way, Christ will be glorified through my life, and through my church. And third, we have to give first place to the Word in our lives. Colossians 3.16 says, the word, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. God's Word has a dwelling place, and it's intended to dwell in you, richly in your hearts. Because a lot of times we'll do our bit to read our devotions. We'll just read them, or we'll listen to them uh, on a, a podcast or something like that. Hear somebody, hear a pastor or something. But what's it mean to allow the Word of God to dwell richly in our hearts? And we have to open our hearts. We have to ingest the Word of God and allow it to change us and transform us. And that means we study the Word of God. We, we go to all our helps in different translations, and we try to ponder it, and we journal about it. We, we pray about it, especially when it's really tough for us to read certain passages and apply it to our lives. And we say, I'm not, I'm not living with this. I'm not, I'm not changing my life. I need to ingest it, and I need to struggle with it, and I need God to prove himself strong in my life. And we have to let that word dwell in us richly. We have to tussle with it. We have to fight with it and be discipled by it. As you look at this passage, you see a process of allowing God's word to dwell in our lives, but it's also discipling us. It's admonishing. We're admonishing one another. That's so that we can grow and progress to be more Christ-like each day. But a big section of it is worship. And this is where we kind of get, uh-uh-uh. We get a little dicey and selective. And we're talking about we want God's word to dwell in our life, and we need to be thankful. We have to be thankful for the opportunities we have to worship, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Note what it doesn't say here. It doesn't say, if you've got a good voice, you can worship. It doesn't say, if you feel like singing, you can worship. It doesn't say... If they're playing your music from fill-in-the-blank, your era, whatever that is, then you can worship. We are supposed to sing our hearts out. That We are all supposed to, because we have the Word of God in our heart and it's changing us, we have something to sing about. We have a person that we love and have a relationship with. And yeah, you don't want to hear my singing, but I'm going to be singing. And you need to be singing too. Because we are being disobedient if we're not. And granted, there's some people say, I'll try and I'll struggle. But I can tell you about the lyrics. And I understand those lyrics. And they may be able to give us some commentary on those. While their singing may not be skilled, it is still God's voice. uh, That person using their voice to exalt God. And we must do so as the people of Christ. And Paul is telling the church Colossae, you need to worship the Lord. You need to... Be changed by his word. You need to admonish one another. And you do so in a time of corporate learning and a time of corporate singing together. We come together and sing, and we lift up our hearts to him. We have someone that we are so thankful for, and how can we not sing about his great love for us? And the whole reason is is we're to make Jesus famous. We're to exalt And lift up the name of Jesus as we live our lives. Verse 17 in Colossians 3 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have an object of worship, a person. We can't just go around saying, I'm thankful, 
and not be able to point to something. But as believers, we are thankful for who has the rule over our lives and that peace is in our heart, and that's Jesus Christ. And we do everything as we go about our day, as we are going jogging and falling down, as I'm backing out of the barn, falling over, or as I go to work, as I come and lead in worship, as I talk to my children on the phone, as I go to a doctor's appointment or I run to the bank, speak with one of you, or you see you speak with one another, God's glory is to be seen in how we interact and how we respond in whatever situation we are in. We have speaking, doing, only with Jesus in mind. I know every time we get up during the day, we have our list of things we want to do. We have our agenda. These things need to be checked off. But have we said, I'm going to do this with Christ in mind, run my errands with Christ in mind, go to work with Christ in mind, interact with my fellow employees with Christ in mind, clean out the garage with Christ in mind, go to my neighbor, help him change brakes out with Christ in mind. Go hunting with Christ in mind. Do all these things in the name of Jesus. Whatever, whatever we do, it has the purpose of making Jesus known to the world through you. And it's his will that he speaks in every aspect of your being here. This is God's will for you. So I want this to be the best Thanksgiving ever for you. You say it's a little early for Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving is more than just a day on the calendar. I hope you figured that out by now. I know that you probably do know that. But this season can continue beyond November through Christmas, and it will change your life. Remember, you at least get seven more years back, right? Try to do that. I praise God for you. I'm so thankful to be your pastor. Father, I thank you for the blessing of this time that we can open your word. In this season of gratitude, I pray that we would be a changed people. Ask again, Lord, that we would cultivate thankfulness, that we would simply commit to be a people of gratitude and do it. So, Father, I ask that you would change us, that you would cause our traffic patterns, our thought patterns and processes, our attitudes to be corrected that we might be able to shine Jesus into this world because we are a thankful people. We have someone to think about and to sing about. So Lord, I ask that today that we would commit ourselves to you. And while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, while Lynette continues to play. In this time of invitation, I would ask today that as we hear the message, it's not again just hearing the words that were preached, the word of God that was recited or said to you, that it would truly richly dwell in you and cause transformation to take place in your hearts and lives today. I would ask you today, if you're a believer and you know this passage talked about the church, individually it starts with you. Make that change to be thankful, to have a life of gratitude and cultivate that. And then commit to build that here in our congregation today with other believers that are here. 
in that admonishing one another with the word of God, singing praise to God with one another, and enjoying the fellowship, and that we are evangelizing through gratitude as we practice this. So believers, that is your mandate. That is an invitation that you'd be asked to respond to. But maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you've, you've said, you know, I really can't say that I'm grateful for Jesus, but I need to be. Jesus died on the cross for you, for the sins that you have committed, all of us have committed. Admit the fact that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Confess him. In other words, say, yes, I need him. And I want him to be the boss of my life. I want him to have the rule over my life. I want him to be in charge. And then I will have something truly to be thankful for. For forgiveness and new life in Jesus Christ. So if that's your decision today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, please do so. Again, still while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we don't do right now a come down front invitation. But if you would contact us, one of the staff members here after the service, we can uh, speak with you in a, in a safe setting about what God's saying to you. Or you can email us in the church office or call us, and we want to talk to you about your decision, help you to act on that, and move forward with what God is asking you to do. So, Father, I thank you for this time we've had today to hear from your word, to be changed by it. Help us be obedient to you to make whatever decision that we need to today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.